Do you have a tricky work problem that you need to solve? I have a great podcast recommendation for you featuring a pair of expert women. Whether you're just starting your career or a seasoned professional, check out Fixable, a podcast from TED. Hosted by Harvard professor Frances Fry and her wife, leadership coach Ann Morris, the brilliant duo provide honest, actionable advice to help you navigate everything from a gaslighting manager to returning to work after parental leave. They'll leave you feeling empowered and ready to act. Listen to Fixable wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Bossed Up Podcast. I'm your host, Emily Aries, and I am so excited to introduce to you today a new series that I'm launching in anticipation of the launch of my book, Bossed Up, A Grown Woman's Guide to Getting Your Together, hits shelves on May 21st. And embedded in this book are a series of lessons I learned about how to beat burnout, and really step into the role of being the boss of your own life and your own career. Now, I want to give you all a sneak peek into some of the insights I share in my book and the way I'm going to be doing that on every other Tuesday episode between now and publication day is by introducing you to one of the actual Bossed Up community members who are featured in each chapter. In fact, every single chapter of the Bossed Up book features multiple stories from women from a diverse array of backgrounds, all of whom illustrate what it looks like to boss up in their own lives and their own careers, like I said, across a diverse array of industries and backgrounds, because I think it's so important especially as a white woman, that when I wrote a book about how to you know, be the boss of your own life or write your own come up story in the face of injustice, that I share not just my own personal story, but the stories of lots of different women who have a diverse array of applications for the lessons in my book. So I want it to be as intersectional as possible in my approach. So I'm not just sharing advice that works for one kind of person or one kind of woman, but really show how that advice and how the process of bossing up looks different across different spectrums. So Janelle is someone who's featured in the Bossed Up book in a chapter all about becoming a goal digger, which is all about pursuing long-term goals and figuring out how exactly to crush big goals instead of letting big goals crush you. Because sometimes it feels like it's all just happening to you. It's flying at you. Life is happening. You're being pulled in a million different directions. And that is not the kind of proactive, mindful, prioritized approach that I encourage women to take. But it can be hard to find a way to feeling like the boss of your own life. It can be hard to sustain a sense of agency, feeling like the reins are in your hands for how you're approaching big, complex goals. And to illustrate that in my chapter all about the psychology and the cognitive science behind sustaining your motivation, I feature a spotlight story from Janelle, who's an award-winning brand marketer and strategist with experience executing high-profile marketing campaigns for well-known entertainment brands. I wish I could drop all the badass names for the company she's worked for in here, but we're going to keep that mysterious for now. But just know that she has worked in marketing at global levels for major brands that you have heard of with their own TV shows that you have heard of. So she came to Bossed Up Bootcamp 
in an interesting position, wanting to find her way to a job that really lights her up, that really fuels her, that really motivates her. But she felt a little complacent. She felt like she was in a job that was just fine, but wasn't growing in that position. I don't know if any of you listening can relate to that, but that feeling of not making progress in your own life can be really stifling. So let's jump into my conversation with Janelle as she expands upon the story that she shares in the Bossed Up book that illustrates some of the key lessons in my chapter all about how to be a goal digger. Janelle, thank you so much for being here to share your story. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be here. So I'm so excited to start this series off with your story because ironically, your story actually comes up in the Bossed Up book towards the end in a chapter that's all about how to be a gold digger, right? How to be strategic in the pursuit of our goals. And I know you are kind of a type A (laughs) achiever. (laughs) Just a little bit. Just a little bit. And I want to share a few nuggets from your story and how you navigated a big career transition and a big job search by making it important to you and making it urgent to you when there really wasn't any external accountability, right? So Mm -hmm. take us back to where you were in that job where you felt like everything was just fine. What was that like? Where were you? What were you doing? How did it feel to be in that kind of a position? Yes. So I was working in entertainment space for a major, major retail company, and they have a very strong entertainment arm. So I was overseeing their digital marketing. And I'd been there for a couple of years and had achieved everything I needed to achieve twice. (laughs) And so it was fine. The work was fine. My boss was fine. You know, I had some really nice successes. We won a few awards for a big campaign that I worked on, and it was really great. Nice cherry on top. And I was like, all right, this is sort of peak for me right now. How do I move on? Like, where do I go? Let me leave while I'm still on top. And so I slowly started to put some feelers out there. I actually completed the bossed up career game. (laughs) Yeah. Pre-game your career change course. Yes. And so that really got me set up to start thinking about what do I do next? How do I get there? And I already did all of the work through the career game challenge. And so I had the resume done. I had my my, my social media cleaned up. I was yes. ready to go. It was now time for me to leave a job that honestly, I could have probably coasted for another year or two. Like the money was fine. The money was actually pretty good. Yeah. Um, but I just wasn't inspired anymore. This is such a good reminder that you don't need to feel totally burnt out to get bossed up and to take charge of your own career. Because sometimes everything looks good on paper, but somewhere deep in your heart, it's like not fulfilling anymore. What did that feel like? It was frustrating because I had been in a place previously, the job that I left to take that job that I was now looking to leave was one where I was completely burnt out. I was working 14-hour days getting in early, staying late. Even my boss was was commenting like, Janelle, love seeing you burn morning oil because I got there before she did every day. And so yeah. this job was a nice change where my work-life balance was amazing, but I wasn't motivated at work anymore. Yeah. So it was battling with the, this is great. I could coast and do this for a couple more years and totally just chill and, and kick my feet up. But I wasn't passionate about 
the work. And I realize that that's something that's really important to me. I have to be passionate and excited about it. I can't just go through the motions and collect a paycheck. That's not who I am. Totally. Did you feel any guilt, like any survivor guilt almost of having (laughs) gone from that burnt out place? Because I think you came to Boston Boot Camp around that time too, right? I did. I see a lot of women who are in burnout mode or in a job that really doesn't meet their basic needs. And I can almost hear them thinking, oh, how dare she leave such a cushy situation. (laughs) World's smallest violin. (laughs) Yeah, right? But it's real though. You know, it's a good reminder that sometimes the women you think have it all together, and this happens a lot at Boston Bootcamp because there are women who are burnt out, Mm -hmm. who are at bootcamp for get me the hell out of this job kind of purposes. And there are women at bootcamp who are, everything is fine and I'm slowly dying inside. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Yeah. And I think what was helpful is because I'd gone from that crazy job to this sort of cushy job, I had both sides of that story. So I knew how good I had it. But also I stayed in that crazy job because I really liked it. My mental health didn't like it. My stamina didn't like it, but I enjoyed what I was doing. So I was now looking for the best of both worlds where I could enjoy what I'm doing, but also not die while doing it. Right. I love that. It's kind of like iterating your way towards the right fit. It's yes. like a Goldilocks story. Yes. This porridge is too hot. This is too cold. <laughs> too clean, too quiet. Yeah. <laughs> What's the nice, happy medium there? <laughs> so the challenge, of course, with starting a job hunt when you are in a cushy job that is basically fine is that nobody's going to make that job hunt a priority. And, you know, lighting a fire under your own ass to motivate yourself can in some ways be a real psychological challenge. So how did you use highlighting? One of the tactics and strategies that I talk a lot about in the book, and for anybody who's ever used the Life Tracker Planner or the Life Tracker at Boston Bootcamp, highlighting is this idea of temporarily prioritizing one kind of goal over other elements Mm -hmm. in your life. What did that look like for you? And how did that help you make your job search urgent when it wasn't actually urgent, when it was just important to you, but nobody else was going to hold your feet to the fire? Yes. Well, first of all, I want to say that I'm obsessed with my life tracker planner and (laughs) sit down at the beginning of every month to fill it out. So what was helpful is that I would sit down, fill out my, my life tracker and I was challenged having to highlight one goal because as an overachiever, I wanted to do everything. And I felt that if I'm, you know, neglecting my health and wellness bucket or my love and relationships bucket, then everything else in my life will fall apart. Why can't I do it all? And you were the one who really challenged me in boot camp <laughs> to say, Janelle, you have to pick one. I was like, no, but I have to do it all. You're like, no, that's not feasible. <laughs> I think it's like almost a radical thing in the work-life balance space for me to say, hey, maybe we don't need to do it all all the time. Like, it is okay to not be in the best shape of your life all the time and still perform well at work, right? And it was hard for me to sit down and circle one goal. So I felt guilt, actually, spoiler alert, still do feel guilt at the beginning of every month for about five minutes with my pen in hand. Like, what am I going to focus on and what am I going to put on the back burner right now? Right. So I was able to select my career and job hunting goal. And it was really helpful having to then break it out into three sort of bite-sized 
chunks because, right. and as we all know with job hunting, we only control what 10, 20% of the overall process. That other 80, 90% is with the recruiter or the hiring manager. And it can be very daunting, you know, sending your resume out into the black hole, networking your face off, you know, uh, reaching out and sending cold emails. And yeah. then you don't hear for weeks or months or you get the form rejection letter and you're devastated. So, what helped me with the life tracker is that it gave me accountability and also made me feel that I was successful that month. Yeah. Like, okay, no, I didn't get that job offer, but here are all the other things I did do as I was working toward my goal. So it made yeah. me feel like I achieved something, even though the ultimate goal is still out there. Right. And that's so important for maintaining your motivation when you're pursuing long, complicated goals. If you were pursuing a short-term, easy goal, you wouldn't need the life tracker. You wouldn't need any of this behavioral psychology. But it goes back to what's known as the progress principle. The sensation of making progress is inherently motivating. Mm -hmm. So the life tracker is designed to help you keep track of all the hard work and effort that you are putting in and to not discount that because that's what's going to keep you going and keep some of that guilt at bay. Do you feel like with highlighting this idea that you're temporarily prioritizing certain goals over others, did that help mitigate some of the guilt after the five minutes had passed? Absolutely, because what I ended up doing was typically me going to the gym or trying to focus on my wellness goals. It was a 6.30 a.m. class. It was an after work visit to the gym or what have you. Instead, I was able to then use those times to scour job boards in the morning. First thing I did when I woke up, attended networking events in the afternoon or evening, you know, after work. And so yeah. that really helped me realize there's no way I could have done both of them. I couldn't have done right. the gym and I couldn't have done the job hunt. Or it would have taken you twice as long to get your job. Yeah, right. absolutely. Because I would be splitting that time and it wasn't feasible. And so looking back on it, I realized I had to choose just one. In the moment, I was like, oh my God, why do I have to choose one? Can't I do it all? <laughs> yeah. But look in hindsight, I was like, yeah, Emily was right. I need to focus on one. <laughs> I'm so glad to hear that. What I love about this concept is it puts the agency on you. Mm -hmm. It puts the reins in your hands. You get to decide. You get to feel that sensation of leadership over your time. Because when it feels like time is happening to us, life is just flying at us, we feel pulled in a million different directions. What is most important to you, like getting a new job, a job that fulfills you, might never become urgent, might never become a priority because you're so busy being pulled and reacting mm -hmm. to life instead of saying, okay, here's the time I have. Let me make a proactive, mindful choice about how I want to spend it. So tell us a little bit about the action steps you chunked down to start really making your job search a priority when it wasn't urgent, when it wasn't dire? Like, what did that process look like? Yeah, so a big part of it was upping my networking game because that's something that I sort of let slide. And I was also one of those people who didn't look for a job until it was at my wits end and was ready, sure. you know? So sure. that sort of helped me start doing research on what sort of networking organizations are out there, especially ones that were focused on women. Right. So I made it a point to attend 
three or four events a month. I also went through my LinkedIn and scoured all of my connections to see if they worked yep. at places where I was interested in or if they had connections at places. I would then reach out to them, ask for an introduction if they were okay with it, and then made sure that I you know, touched base or reached out to about two people a week and then yep. try to have coffee with those people. So these small, tangible sort of steps so that while I was waiting for the email or the phone call from a recruiter, and if it didn't come, I still felt as though I achieved something you know, right. I achieved that small 10% of my power. I was fully maximizing that. Yeah, that's such a great point about maintaining your sense of agency in a process that is not inherently in your control. Yeah. Because that's that's the difference of feeling like a boss or not, right? Is mm-hmm. feeling like, am I doing all I can? And maintaining kind of an acceptance or a tolerance for the uncertainty. Those are two very opposite uh, <laughs> sensations, right? <laughs> yeah, I write in the book about patience, about balancing patience and impatience. And I think your story is a really good illustration of that because you were impatient enough to say, even though this work is fine, is just fine, I know that I want more. And you were impatient enough to say, I'm going to start doing something now to figure out what that more might be. But then once you were in the process, the murky middle of goal pursuit, you had the patience to sustain your progress to find your way to that next job. So tell us about how long it took and how you found the role that you ultimately went into. Yeah. So overall, it was about eight months and I started really buckling down with the life tracker coming out of Bossa Bootcamp that year, which was April. So it was another four months of me being super, super deliberate before I ended up getting an offer in August of 2017. That's a long time. Yeah, Yeah. this is a long time. It's a really long time. And a lot of, you know, rejection emails, especially the form ones after you've done all of this work and and taken time off and met with all these folks. And then they have the audacity to send you a standardized rejection email. Digital slap in the face, right? Oh, yes. And so it was me keeping myself motivated. I remember there was one week where I had eight interviews in a week between phone interviews, video chats, and, and in-person interviews. And wow. I was exhausted, but it was really great to check that off of my life tracker that week to say, look, I landed several interviews and got to do my best with all of them. Right. Yeah. And so when you did ultimately land the new job, was it a mindful decision or was it like, how did it feel compared to taking jobs in the past? Do you feel like the eight months you put in yielded a better job offer? Were you weighing multiple offers? Or was it like, I'm done with this job search. Let me just take whatever I have in front of me, <laughs> which would have been fine too, right? Understandable. <laughs> no, and, and it, it's funny because I have a mentor who said something really important to me when I was in the thick of job hunting. And she said, always run towards a job, never run away from one. And Mm. those words really helped me take a step back because in the past I have accepted a job because I was like, I'm tired of this job hunt. This is an offer. Great. Let me take it. And fortunately in this 
position, I was weighing multiple job offers. They were actually the same company, which was really cool. Yeah. And so I had to make a decision. I was at the end of one interview session and at the very beginning of another. And HR stepped in and said, hi, you need to make a decision. We can't have both teams fighting over you. And I was like, well, the timing doesn't work. I still have to, you know do my due diligence with this second opportunity. And so it sort of forced me to make a decision a little bit earlier than I would have liked. But I did as my type A crazy self would do. (laughs) And I put together a pro-cons list to figure out, okay, what about these jobs makes the most sense? What speaks to me? And I ended up going with my current opportunity was kind of scared me a little bit because it was something new. The other job I had worked on the other side with that team in a previous life because I have been returning to my current company. And so I felt really comfortable and familiar, but this job was brand new and I had no experience and it scared me a little bit. And that is what sort of got me excited enough to accept it. This is such a perfect illustration of getting bossed up. I I remember struggling to figure out where to put your story because your story resonates with a lot of points I make in chapter one, in chapter seven, in chapter (laughs) six. You know what I mean? So, you know, part of getting bossed up to me is fueling your growth by stepping into leadership roles before you're fully ready, Mm, right? Like that iterative process of figuring it out as you go is part of what combats or prevents you from coasting in a job. It is the antithesis of coasting. And here you were coasting through a job that was perfectly fine, fine. going through a very (laughs) deliberate, long-term, strategically executed job search. And you wind up making this choice between the exciting unknown Mm -hmm. or the familiar. And I'm not at all surprised to hear that after doing all the work you put in, that you opted for the uncertainty of a new opportunity because at the end of the day, that's what you were looking for, it sounds like. Yeah. How did it feel to step into that role? I was nervous. I was really nervous. And it was really interesting because my boss was about eight months pregnant when I started. So she was going to leave me for however many months. And and yeah. so there was a very big cloud around it. A positive cloud, though. It's not <laughs> nothing negative, but it was just a very big question mark in terms of, okay, when she returns, what will this role look like? Mm-hmm. What's really interesting is that the role changed again when she returned. So I'm in a yeah. completely different place right now doing something even bigger than I had initially signed on for. So how lucky is that? <laughs> it's amazing. It's not lucky at all, though. It's, it's a byproduct of the intention you brought to the search. So you navigated your way from a comfortable, secure position, Mm -hmm. spent eight months being very mindful and deliberate and persistent with your search. How does it feel on this tail end of it? How long have you been in your new role and and are you feeling differently there? So I've been back at the company as a whole for about 18 months and my new role, my new team, as I mentioned, things changed was about six months ago. So last year I was able to work with my boss to sort of transition our team into this new opportunity. And we're both sort of holding hands and figuring out together, which is great, (laughs) which is a really interesting place to be, to be on the ground level of a new department, basically. That's so exciting, Janelle. Do you feel like it was a good move for your career? 
I do. I do. From a visibility standpoint, from a pushing me out of my comfort zone standpoint, and just the level of what we're working on is tied directly into overall company goals, which is nice. Cool. So I'm learning a lot. It's This is a brand new industry. I'm, I, I've sort of left marketing proper and have turned it into, we focus on licensing for movies, which is cool. very cool and very new. Every day is a, is a learning opportunity for me. That is so great. It sounds like you've really designed your way from being burnt out to being in a job where you felt comfortable, but maybe a little too comfortable, to the kind of growth opportunity and continuous opportunity for expansion that you've been looking for. I'm so happy to hear that. So Thank you. what advice do you have for bosses who are listening to this? Maybe they're a little newer to the bossed up community than you are, because I think of you as like a super user. <laughs> and I, I've seen your face like for the past six years. It's wonderful. <laughs> um, but for women who are thinking, okay, how do I take a long-term endeavor, like an eight-month job search, and hack into my own motivation? How do I sustain my drive over that long of a period of time when I'm hustling and it feels very, you know, muddling my way through the middle process, which is very uncertain and unknown. Mm-hmm. Oh, trust me, I have definitely gone through the middle process or as you call the middle dip. And also important to realize like life happens. You know, there are times where I had a goal and and then something else popped up and I had to sort of shift my focus. But I like to think of each day as a new day. You can start over again. Each week is a new week. And to not beat yourself up about it. Sit in it for a minute, you know, sit in it for 10 minutes, but don't dwell on it indefinitely yeah. and, and start over again. It's like you're predicting my book here, Janelle. What the hell? I literally was just turning the page right before your story yeah. is a section all about the fresh start effect, which is what the Life Tracker is designed to help women do is capitalize on the natural motivation, mm-hmm. that motivational sort of hit we get at the start of a new week, day, and month. And I love that idea of leaving the guilt, the shame, the, oh, crap, I didn't finish my to-do list from yesterday behind, get a good night's sleep and hit it fresh in the morning. You know, like this fresh start effect can be really Uh, helpful. No, definitely. Especially someone like me who, from a type A, you know, control freak place, wants to control everything and make sure that it's perfect and it's just so. And then when things don't happen, oh, it's devastating. So I need to like I said, sit in those feelings, experience it, and then let it go. Sometimes I write it down on a piece of paper, crumple it up and throw it away just so I can physically remove it. (laughs) What a great tip. I love that. So then my last question for you is during your job search, you were mindfully prioritizing the job hunt and all the effort that went into it at the cost of you know, putting on the back burner some of your health and wellness goals. Have you come back to that? Have you switched your priorities since stepping into this new role? And what does that look like? I did. I did. What was nice is last fall, I joined a wellness challenge. And it was my first time fully committing because it's one thing to go to the gym every once in a while. Sure. This one was six weeks. I pay, uh, There was a, like a payment option included where at the end of the day, whoever like loses the most weight wins the full pot of money. 
I knew Ooh. I wanted to win the pot of money. I made my peace <laughs> with that. But sure. I'm still motivated to commit to this thing for six weeks and do it. Every day I woke up and went to the gym and the times when class was canceled, I still found a, a video on Amazon Prime and watched the, the fitness video and did it in my living room instead. Love it. Which was Love it. new for me to, to take my commitment to that level because unlike the job hunt, which was what like I said, 10, 20% in my control. This was 100% in my control. And that is daunting in its own way. So I did that and I achieved it and I felt so good. And I had my little motivation written in my, my life tracker. And I, you know, I bought myself my little treat. Um, So yeah, it's been good. And and that helped me feel good that this wasn't a one-off success story with my life tracker that I was able to apply it to something else that was still a long-term goal. That is so great to hear because it is really up to us to set mindful priorities and decide what is most important to me that I want to make urgent right now. And next month, you can change it, right? <laughs> exactly. I have I have women, we, we in our community, especially because we're so focused on ambition and career at Bostop, our default setting is often career goals. Yes. And one of my very best friends who found herself in between finishing her PhD program and starting her next job. She had a month off. She realized, oh my God, why did I just default to making my career a priority this month? This is like the one month in my past six years when I really don't need to make my career a priority. And she switched to making her wellness a priority and getting organized in her home life a priority. And it's just nice to know that at the end of the day, we can still take the same lessons around the psychology and cognitive science behind motivation hacking Mm -hmm. and apply that to anything that's important in our life, any realm of our lives or goals or ambitions, whether they're personal or professional. And I'm so glad to hear that's working for you. Yes. Yes. And, and, I'm excited that tomorrow's a new month that I can I can choose a new goal. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I love it. Well, Janelle, I so appreciate you sharing your story. This is the kind of real world, honest stories, like honest tales that we're sharing as a part of bringing some life to the lessons in the Bossed Up book. Because it's one thing to say, okay, let me teach you about the fresh start effect or the yeah. progress principle, but really hearing how real women across a diverse array of backgrounds and industries have applied those lessons to their actual lives is part of what makes this book so great. So I cannot express my appreciation enough for you to be generous with your story, Janelle. I really appreciate that. No, I'm happy to share it. I I keep trying to spread the gospel of Bossed Up to all the women in my life. So this is just another way of me sharing how much Bossed Up has completely changed my life when I discovered you a few years ago. Isn't she amazing, y'all? I hope that you've gained some nuggets of wisdom, some best practices from Janelle's story all about how she found a high-growth career opportunity after bouncing back from burnout into complacency, into the kind of job that she was feeling stifled in because that experience is so common, but it doesn't need to determine your future. Your present does not need to determine your future. And if you want to learn more about taking that kind of a strategic approach and really understanding the psychology, the cognitive science, the behavioral economics behind how to sustain your motivation, how to hack into your drive, 
pre-order my book, Bossed Up, A Grown Woman's Guide to Getting Your Shit Together right now in the link I'm dropping into today's show notes or at bossedup.org slash book. Pre-ordering makes a huge difference for first-time authors like me, so I really appreciate all of you who have taken the time to order your copy in advance, and then it'll automatically be sent straight to your door on May 21st when it publishes. You'll hear from Janelle in the book and lots of other real women who are sharing their real unvarnished stories about what getting bossed up looks like in their life. All right, now it's time for this week's Boss Move Moment of the Week. Hey, bosses. My name's Mackenzie. I'm calling from Providence, Rhode Island, and my boss move has been giving myself the permission, the space to slow down and prioritize my passion. Specifically, I returned to grad school, and after the first semester and some financial planning, I decided that it was the perfect time for me to take a year leave from my program in order to complete my yoga teacher training certification and also to prove to myself that I could make it as a freelance writer. It was helpful for me to have that safety net of knowing that in a year, I would be returning to grad school and moving forward professionally. I got a lot of advice that taking a year leave wasn't a smart idea because I might not return, but I had a plan, I knew what I was doing, and I came back even more confident having new skill sets, new certifications, and ways to diversify my professional life and to create work that I love. Congrats, boss. I am so proud of you and so thrilled that you took the time to call in and share your boss move. You really never know who you are inspiring to do the same when you share your own come-up story. If you have a boss move to share or a career conundrum that you want me to unpack on a future Bossed Up podcast episode, give my hotline a ring right now at 910-668-BOSS or 2677. And now I want to hear from you. What are you taking away from Janelle's story today? What are you going to apply to your goals to help sustain your drive over the long term? And if you know someone who is stuck in the murky middle or that middle dip of motivation or in the midst of a long job search that feels like it's dragging on, do her a favor and share this episode with her right now because you never know who else needs to hear the kind of story that Janelle just shared with us. I'd love to hear if you enjoyed today's show format because for the next few weeks as we lead into the big publication day of May 21st, when my new book will drop, I'll be sharing more episodes every other Tuesday that feature real women in our community and their stories as they are included in the Bossed Up book. So look forward to more lessons from real Bossed Up community members who are shedding light on how you can apply those key strategies for bossing up in your own life to your own career. Until then, keep bossing in pursuit of your purpose, and together we will lift as we climb. Let's face it, speaking up at work can be really hard to do, especially for women and women of color. When the stakes are high and you've already worked so hard to just be the only woman in the room and you want to get everything right, you want to have all your facts and figures accurate before making your voice heard, 
It's just so much easier to stay silent instead. Researcher Deb Jahansky calls this loss of voice phenomenon. And it actually emerges in adolescent women at greater rates than men. And it sticks with us for the rest of our lives. Self-silencing behavior can actually become an unconscious habit unless we consciously engage in practicing our assertive communication skills. And we here at Bossed Up have set out to help women like you do just that. Speak Up, my live assertive communication course is back open for enrollment, and we're kicking off a new cohort launching this June. Over the course of eight life-changing weeks, you'll have access to interactive online curriculum and live weekly practice sessions where you, Irene and I, and a cohort of fellow Speak Up bosses who are owning their voice, overcoming the social messages that have taught us to keep silent, and really learning to strategically and assertively communicate when it matters most, we'll actually have the practice time to rewire our brains, create new neural pathways, and build better habits when it comes to speaking up with confidence and precision and assertively communicating in the workplace. Learn more and enroll today to secure your spot at bossedup.org speakup. That's bossedup.org speakup.